All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Matt Archer, DC, who is a, who is also the author of The Protocol for Health, Seven Unexpected Solutions. Matt, how you doing? Good. Thanks, Timothy. Thanks for having me here. Of course, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And we like to dive right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. <laughs> um. So uh, let's see. So, uh, yeah, so I'm a chiropractor. Um, I've been in practice about 20 years. Uh, I'm second generation, you know, kind of followed in, in my mother's footsteps. Um, and I also took kind of a skeptical look at chiropractic and at the kind of work that my mom was doing with muscle testing. And I, I put together some pieces that I think are super unique, unique and really powerful for getting people great results with their health. Um, as far as what I like to do for fun, that answer has changed a lot over the last several years. Uh, I've got two kids now who are 15 and 11. And uh, back before that, I would have told you, you know, like flying off waterfalls in a kayak and racing dirt bikes and jumping off cliffs on skis and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And these days, um, what's really fun is just being with my family and, you know, however we spend our time, whether it's stuff at home and on our land or, uh, you know, out around town or going for hikes together or, or things like that. Do you guys have like a, like a farm or just a good amount of acres? Yeah, we're, um, we're on 10 acres sitting on a ridge top. And um, we've got chickens and we've got lambs right now. And um, uh, we usually have a pretty big garden and a variety of orchard trees. And I've got about a mile of trails that I've put in uh, on my place and adjoining neighbors' lands. And I walk a lot. That's one of the pieces of my protocol is walking most days. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing place to live. There we go. Sounds like uh, just living the dream right there. Pretty much, pretty much <laughs> living the dream. Yeah, it, it really is. And, um, you know, as part of why I like the the name and the idea of your, your show is just like taking a moment to, um, you know, look, looking over your questions ahead of time. And it's like, okay, what, what does it mean to me that uh, to be living the dream, you know? And, um, you know, there's all these things that I see in the future that I want for, you know, what I want to accomplish with this book and, um, you know, the, the people that I'd like to be able to help um, in the big picture. But what we have right now, you know, like the fact that I found my wife and we have our kids and, you know, despite the fact that my wife and I dealt with a variety of health issues when we were younger, uh, we put together some pieces that means we don't deal with that stuff. And if it was a genetic thing, our kids would be screwed and they'd be sick constantly and have belly aches and all the things that we used to have. And they don't have that. Like we save a lot of money in the, you know, the fact that we never have to go see any other doctors or miss school or miss work or, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of spoiled truly. Um, in terms of just how how much we get to count on our health and um 
you know, when you see people where that, where that goes wrong, it's a powerful reminder that, uh, without health, nothing works. Yep. So we are indeed living the dream. I love it. I like that perspective a lot too. And so let's get into the protocol for health, seven unexpected solutions. You said you and your wife have implemented some of that and you had some health issues. Now you don't have some health issues. So tell us a little bit more about that story and also some of these unexpected solutions. Yeah, right on. Um, so my, um, my wife is the, is the office manager here, here at our practice. And um, so that's, you know, she helps us out. I mean, she makes the place run, you know, so that's really helpful. Um, and, um, but like the, the process of learning all the, the impact of these pieces that I've identified through my practice, um, having a family to kind of run that experiment with, you know, like to get to see, um, what derails us. I mean, when, when you've got, you know, our kids are beyond this age now, but there was a point where they were, you know, four or five years old and everybody who met them would be amazed at how we have these kids who would like look you in the eye and pay attention. And they weren't just like bouncing off the walls and like, but they were like with you and, you know, um, present. And then we'd have the experience of maybe we'd let them eat half an apple. Well, if you think about the amount of sugar in half an apple compared to that little body, it's a lot of sugar, especially if you don't typically eat that much sugar. And um, and then all of a sudden, they'd be the kids that were kind of bouncing off the walls. And, and so we really got to run that experiment over and over and over, like uh, how much does diet affect just the behavior of our kids and just like their ability to um, be in class and pay attention and focus and become the kids that teachers often rely upon to say like, Hey, do you understand what's going on in the classroom? Cause maybe, you know, they missed it, but our kids were just so present and aware and able to communicate um, that, uh, you know, they're, they've been, extraordinary kids that, you know, they, they continue to really uh, do well and, and to be just a joy to live with. And so in terms of them, like really being like some of my best teachers, like that's not just like a nice metaphor about what it is to raise kids, but like, um, it's sort of like the experiments that we run on ourselves, uh, and the family, uh, as part of the result uh, yeah. that we see. So, um, Okay, so back when I was in junior high, my mom became a chiropractor and she started using this technique called applied kinesiology, manual muscle testing, pushing and pulling on arms and legs while people um, you know, taste foods or touch reflex points on the body to try and get information about what's going on. And um, you know, no one's ever been able to prove applied kinesiology to, to be accurate or reproducible. But clearly, there's a bunch of doctors who use that technique that definitely get great results and help a bunch of people with a variety of issues. Um, when I, I was on a 10-day meditation course in India, and I was like, ah, oh, it's time to be a chiropractor. And this was like in the late 90s. And so I came back from that trip. I 
finished up school, um, then went to chiropractic school. And um, in the course of that, I studied applied kinesiology uh, outside of school. And early on in those courses, I was like, uh, you know, this muscle testing doesn't seem very clear. And I need to see something clear. Like, I've always kind of been this skeptical, rational person who, like, I really need to see clear answers before I proceed, particularly when we making recommendations for somebody else. So, um, so I asked some questions, it sent me in a different direction. I knew there was something really good there with applied kinesiology, but I also felt like there was clearly something missing in the testing. And I had some questions. The doctor gave me some interesting answers. It took me a bunch of years to put together. But um, what I really wanted to see was a clear baseline. You know, I wanted to see strong versus weak with any muscle in the body before we started trying to get answers about what foods people should or shouldn't eat or supplements or all those kinds of things. And we absolutely get that now. And, you know, I can't call any of it a diagnosis because no one's proven it to be accurate or reproducible. But the answers that we get on the table are super clear to me and they're super clear to the person on the table. And when you can get instantaneous feedback through a person's nervous system that's really clear, then you, you start to realize, like, what could be more insightful than a person's own nervous system, right? If you can actually figure out how to get clear answers through the nervous system. So, um, you know, the, the variety of ways with, with which we confirm the accuracy of those answers ends up, it, it exposes some of the biggest blind spots in healthcare. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> Modern medicine, whether it's mainstream or alternative, there's a lot of amazing pieces there. And, and the kind of things that we can understand about enzyme pathways and the uh, capabilities of, um, you know, emergency, emergency services, you know, the things they can do in the ER room, there's a lot that's fantastic there. But we know that in terms of dealing with chronic conditions, the results are really poor, you know, just kind of across the board, unfortunately, you know, whether it's chiropractors trying to deal with low back pain. It's like 85% of low back pain. No one can even determine the cause, let alone have a decent solution for it. Um, and when you look at digestive issues, it's not really much better. When you look at arthritis, when you look at inflammation, I mean, heart disease, number one killer in the country, it's plaque sticking on the insides of the arteries. What causes that? Well, we don't really know. We've got ideas. There's things that we try to manipulate but um, nobody really knows. Cancer, what really causes it? Yeah, there's a variety of contributing factors, but what actually causes it? Mm, we don't know. You know, like kind of over and over again, what you come up with is, despite all these amazing things with, with modern medicine and alternative medicine, the results are still pretty poor because we don't really even know the causes of most of the disease processes that we're dealing with. What causes inflammation? It's not a lack of turmeric, you know, it's, it's great if turmeric helps, but, you know, it's not a lack of turmeric that causes inflammation. What causes it? So, um, so with muscle testing, and the, the first thing that started to become really obvious to me back, you know, 12, 15 years ago, 
maybe more. Um, I started testing people directly to foods, you know, like um, get a clear baseline, see strong versus weak with a muscle, and then have a person taste a food and see, you know, does it instantaneously change their strength or not? Again, no one's proven that it's possible to change strength by test tasting things, but we do that with every person every day on the table in a pretty obvious manner. Um, so if someone has a, a clear reaction to a food, I can't call it an allergy. You know, maybe it's a sensitivity. I just call it a reaction because I don't know what it is. I can just see that it alters function in the nervous system. It creates an obvious change in muscle strength, not in a good way. And so I can say, Hey, I think you ought to try taking this food out of your diet and see, see how you do. And so turns out that's actually the gold standard of medical food allergy testing. They've got all these fancy tests, you know, there's genetic testing, there's pinprick, there's scratch, there's IgG antibody testing. There's a bunch of different tests that you can get, but none of those tests are proven to be accurate or reproducible. I mean, even like gluten, it's like the most, you know, talked about, you know, there's celiac disease to confirm celiac disease. They've got to take a biopsy, take a chunk, out of your small intestine and look at it under a microscope before they can give you a solid diagnosis that that's what you've got. And there's, of course, significant risk with that kind of procedure. So, so food challenge is the gold standard. It means avoid the food for a certain amount of time and then eat a fair amount of that food under medical supervision and see how sick you get. And that's the best test they've got. And that's so mind blowing because, you know, like when, when they can tell you like, and then this enzyme binds to this receptor and there's this chain of events. And, you know, like when they can break all that minute stuff down and, you know, so you're left going, wow, the understanding of the human body is really amazing. But then when it comes down to super fundamental things about what we should eat or what we shouldn't eat, and they really can't tell us with any certainty. The best experiment is basically trial and error. You know, that's what a food challenge is, is trial and error. Yeah. It's kind of mind blowing, right? It's like, wow, you think we'd be further along than that. So I can't claim to call what I do a diagnosis, but over and over and over, people confirm the accuracy of the answers that we get them by essentially running their own food challenge. And then often they run that food challenge accidentally. And, you know, meaning like you go out to a restaurant, you think you ordered something that doesn't have any corn in it, but you get these weird symptoms. We talk the next day, they're like, yeah, I didn't eat any corn, everything's fine. And I say, ah, well, actually when we test you, there's a pattern of muscle weakness that we can demonstrate on the table that tells me with 98% certainty that you've had corn somewhere in the last four or five days. Like that's an amazing thing to be able to see. Like who else can tell people that? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's otherwise available. And it sounds extraordinary and impossible, but it is what clear answers through the nervous system can make possible. Um, and that particular pattern, like it, it uh, means a person weakens when they touch a point that relates to C1, the first cervical vertebra, like some chiropractors do nothing but adjust that segment. 
and L5, which is at the base of the spine, which is like the other most problematic segment of the spine that chiropractors particularly adjust. And um, when both of those segments are out, chiropractors call that the Lovett brothers correlation. And that goes back to like the early 1900s. And what I see is that that pattern just clears when people get corn out of their diet. <laughs> Almost nobody runs that experiment. Corn isn't even considered one of the major allergens, even though it's the number one subsidized food in this country. Um, but uh, just getting that food out can create these fundamental shifts at the, at the top of the spine, the base of the spine, and the things that you know, I might have adjusted in the past or, or chiropractors adjust over and over again, we see just clear along with people's symptoms and along with related issues. Uh, and it affects more than just uh, C1 and L5, but there, there's a pattern that, that shows that corn particularly affects uh, brain and pituitary. And so I've seen where I say, hey, you know, you might just try taking corn out of your diet. And over the next few weeks, people come in and say things like, yeah, that ADD that I've had for the last 20 years has gone away. Or, uh, I mean, I've had people who run that experiment further. I've had people who, you know, bipolar disorder has shifted uh, very significantly and just like mental clarity and brain fog. And uh, it relates to all kinds of different issues. I think corn is probably the most problematic um you know, most common and most problematic of the food reactions that I see. I think it's a bigger deal than gluten. I think it's a bigger deal than dairy or soy. Uh, I see it affect a whole variety of things. And unfortunately, you know, when you're trying to get corn out of the diet, you start to realize like it's in everything. Like most white vinegar is made from corn. Most citric acid is actually black mold grown on a corn mash is how they make citric acid. It's not coming from citrus. Um, xanthan gum, uh, artificial sweeteners. It just, it's like, it's every, almost oh, vitamin C, most ascorbic acid is usually made. They usually start with GMO corn syrup and then it's processed in China. And they yeah. send back these massive containers of vitamin C, which is a vitamin? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. It's a great preservative, but I'm not sure it's a vitamin. I was going to say, high anyway. fructose corn syrup, right? Yeah, that's what they start with. Yeah. So do you see that as a as a major health solution? Like, I don't know. I don't think high doses of vitamin C is really what's going to deliver for us. But anyway, so that's the sort of thing that at first, that's what I was zeroing in on with muscle testing was like um, testing people these foods, say, hey, like, I don't know, it's not a diagnosis, but try it, run the experiment for yourself. And then over and over and over, people come back and they start telling me how it works because once they get it out, they've got all these symptoms that clear up and then they accidentally or maybe intentionally eat some of that food and then they see their symptoms come back and it happens over and over and over. Or, or the people who think they've gotten it all out, but they come in and I test them and I say, no, you're showing this pattern that tells me there's weakness in the shoulder, there's a variety of issues that tell me you're definitely getting exposed to corn and then they go home and they come back and they say, oh, yeah, that thing that I was eating or drinking turns out it has this in it. And yeah, that's uh, once I took it out, then my symptoms went away. And I've seen that so many times over that 
I'm not wondering about that anymore. Like it's just, um, it's really clear. So pardon me. Um, so foods was a great place to start like learning and testing this idea because people could easily run the experiment for themselves, you know, like um, take the food out for a while, see how it goes. And so there was a point at which I was really focusing on that. And about half of my patients who would try taking those foods out would get a great result. And about half of them, not so much. So and are most like, of the unexpected solutions cutting out certain foods or is that only one of them? That's just one of the solutions. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Keep going, please. <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's why I wrote uh, the protocol for health because it, it's a lot to explain and um, you know, it's, it's a challenging model for healthcare trying to explain all of these pieces to people in the office, but <laughs> that's what we're, that's what we're doing. Cause um, for those who will follow it, the results are fantastic. Yeah. So Okay, so we focused on foods a bunch for a while, worked really well for some people, not so much for other. That's kind of what people see with diets. You know, people do super dramatic elimination diets and like they'll do like, uh, let's see, like GAPS diet is this thing that people do that's super restrictive. And you said, and they, they're told like, ah, oh, you might have to do it for two years before you see results. And I'm like, two years? Who's going to hang in there with a terrible diet for two years while they're yeah. not getting any results? But I've seen those patients who come to me and they're like, I've been doing this diet for two years and it's not working. And, and so in following up with some of my patients where, I, where we didn't get those results and just, you know, further developing and, and um, you know, pulling in other pieces of learning, borrowed material sometimes from other people. Um, the next thing I started to really zero in on was what I describe as chronic intestinal infection something living in the gut that shouldn't be there. Okay, so for for some people that creates obvious digestive symptoms. They've got, you know, IBS or colitis or whatever, you know, um, terrible digestive issues. For other people, they're like, no, no, my digestion is perfect. I've got an iron stomach, I can eat anything. And I say, yeah, but we can demonstrate these patterns of muscle weakness that tell me that I think this is what's driving your low back pain. So let's just try clearing chronic intestinal infection, which, okay, so that's a term that really normally gets called dysbiosis. And dysbiosis means just there's something wrong with the gut flora. And so this is what, uh, you know, like dysbiosis has been connected or the gut microbiome has been connected to like pretty much every chronic condition out there. You know, like it definitely contributes to inflammation. Inflammation contributes to everything. It definitely uh, you know, it's part of what contributes to poor absorption of vitamins and minerals that contributes to everything. Um, and so there's, there's all this research that's saying, yeah, the gut microbiome is huge and there's got to be a solution there. But the solutions just keep being like probiotics or prebiotics or, um, you know, adding, boosting, building, uh, you know, uh, supporting the, the gut microbiome. Tell but, them that. Know, tell them, tell them <laughs> success is often about subtraction, not addition. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. Okay. So, um, 
so I don't see it. I don't see that it works like that. You know, like if you have to keep adding probiotics, well, it's because there's something in your gut that keeps killing it off. You know, like it's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship. It's supposed to live there and we coexist and, you know, it's a good thing. Um, so what I see is that you can actually just digest out the components that aren't supposed to be there. What are those components? Well, we don't really know. I mean, again, this is one of the biggest blind spots in healthcare. Okay. So everyone's recon recognizing the gut microbiome is huge, but the solutions keep being underwhelming. So probiotics do help a certain amount of people. Okay. So, you know, that's, it's one of those things where it has been, you know, clinically proven to be slightly effective. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's slightly better than a placebo. So that means, okay, it's clinically proven. Well, slightly better than a placebo is kind of barely working as far as I'm concerned. So yes, it definitely helps some people. And if you're the person who probiotics totally help, well then awesome, you know, great for you. Or if you can control your symptoms with fermented foods, great for you, you know, like that's really cool. But when I've worked with those people who are like, oh no, I got to take my probiotics. I feel way better when I take these. I say, okay, cool. Keep taking those. We don't want to take away something that's helping you. Let's start to clear intestinal infection. And you'll see that by two weeks into these digestive enzymes, which you only take for three weeks, you'll be able to stop those probiotics and you won't miss them in the slightest. And in fact, you'll feel better. And over and over and over and over, we confirm that to be true beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's really cool, you know, because the gut microbiome, right? It's a big deal. You've probably heard a thing or two about everybody talking about like everything comes from the gut and it's your second brain. And like, you know, like, right. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out where to get these enzymes because my gut is messed up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, so the, the enzymes that I use most of the time, are from a company called Enzymetica. Uh, Enzyme Defense is are the enzymes that we use. And I can't just recommend that you go out and do that, um, but it is something that people can just do because they are available. Um, there are, you know, there are some tricks and challenges to having that be a comfortable, easy process, but, um, you know, mostly it involves eating a good diet, a simple, like, I mean, to me, a simple diet means essentially low carb paleo diet, but I work with people who are vegetarians or vegans and, um, sometimes it's more, I mean, it's more challenging for me to get good results with them, but we've absolutely worked with a bunch of people, uh, in that category who get way, way better and, and we've helped them a lot. So, um, so those enzymes, it's just a three week course, um, and they're taken away from food so that you know most digestive enzymes are taken with food to help people break down their food which i'm quite confident is because most people have weak stomach acid because of zinc deficiency which is another thing the protocol reveals and which actually is central to um to my whole practice uh, i think zinc deficiency may drive uh, damn near everything but that's another story so um so those enzymes are taken away from food uh, instead of with food. Usually enzymes taken with food to help people digest and break down the food. 
the purpose of these enzymes taken away from food is to break down the fats, proteins, carbohydrates that make up the defensive structure of whatever it is that's living in the gut that shouldn't be there. And so, you know, a lot of people are talking about bacterial biofilms or yeast or candida overgrowth or, you know, strains of E. coli that shouldn't be there. You know, like most of the time when I'm working with people, we haven't identified what's in the gut. I just have a test that says presence or absence. Does a person have intestinal infection? It causes a pattern of muscle weakness of hip flexors that I think is the primary cause of low back pain. Um, it, it also uh, causes a pattern of weakness in the pectoralis sternal muscles, which I think is the primary cause of most upper back pain and tension. And I think that because back pain is one of those conditions that I basically just get to guarantee people. I say, look, I, I know you've had this for 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever. Um, I, you know, like, will we make it go away completely? I don't know. We often do. And we always make it at least way better, you know, 70, 80, 80% or more better. If you, if you, you know, if you've been following healthcare much, like you'll know that that's an outrageous claim, you know, like people with chronic back pain, they rarely get solutions because like I said, 85% of the time, nobody even knows the cause of it, let alone has a solution. Well, I, again, I can't, you know, claim that this is the cause of it until, you know, like we actually have studies to back it up and prove it, but, um, I run this protocol with my patients and uh, the consistency with which we get people relief from chronic back pain is phenomenal. And, you know, it's great when chiropractic adjustments are a, a way to control people's pain or get them out of pain. Usually you kind of have to keep doing it over and over. Some people just get a great result. You know, when you get that one magic adjustment and the person jumps up off the table and they're dancing, it's like, Hey, that's really cool. You know, that's like a miracle when people have to work for it <laughs> and they have to like change their diet and take some supplements and like, Oh, supplements never work. And I know. And I'm like, yeah, I know most supplements never work, but these actually do. And you'll see that they do. Um, it's more work. It's more of a process. It's slow. It, it takes, well, by slow, I mean, it takes more like two to six weeks to get to the underlying cause of that back pain. So if someone is just having a random acute episode, eh, this isn't the greatest solution. But for someone who's having recurring back pain and doesn't know why, or just constant back pain and doesn't know why, if we can get it way, way better or gone in two to seven weeks, then that's like a miracle, right? Because uh, we don't usually get to do that. And so in terms of helping other people to live their dream, without health, nothing works. And if your freaking back is killing you all the time, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of that, of I can't get out of bed to just everything sucks because everything's painful because I'm in pain all the time. Um, when you can, when you can change that with people, I mean, that's, um, that's amazing. Okay. So, so cutting out a lot of food and getting your gut health right. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and so, like I said, 
people with occasional issues, um, they're not going to do my, my full protocol unless there's someone who's really motivated, you know, like who's really like, well, could I have more energy? Could I sleep better? Could I, uh, perform better athletically? Um, Hey, we've done great with some of those people. Um, I, Evan Strong was a patient of mine. Uh, he won the only U.S. individual gold medal in the Sochi Paralympics. He's an amp amputee, uh, snowboarder. And like, funny that we only had one gold medal in the Sochi, uh, individual gold medal. We had a another team medal. But anyway, I helped him do it. You know, it's like, it actually translates into strength. You know, like when we clear these muscle weaknesses that I can identify with this protocol, um, it makes people stronger. And that may just help, you know, somebody put groceries in their trunk or it may help somebody put a gold medal on the mail, you know, like, um, yeah. but eh, I don't know. You probably have another good question for me. <laughs> I, I can ramble for days. So, um, no, you're good, so, man. Yeah, I'm just, the food, I'm just the, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just curious about the next, uh, we got two of the seven right now. I'm like, what could the other five possibly be? I know we, we won't make it through, <laughs> through all of them. It just won't happen. Um, well, walking is one of them. I mean, if there's one simplest thing that everybody could do for their health, it's walk 40 minutes continuous not start and stop, not what a waiter or a carpenter does, but 40 minutes continuous of walking five or six days a week. It, if you combine that particularly with a low carb diet, it ends up looking like a secret magic recipe. Okay. Like, I mean, like what that does in terms of our foundation aerobically and like athletic performance wise, but also in terms of like symptoms across the board is phenomenal and so and when you're saying that, when you're saying low carb diet explain am i just eating meat at this point like what no 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 um you know there's people who yeah carnivore diet is a great thing because they're super sensitive to a bunch of foods that they're reacting to and because they have intestinal infection and so if we get the foods right and we clear intestinal infection most people who like kind of otherwise have to be on carnivore diet, we can usually get them off of carnivore diet and able to have a, a more varied diet. Um, low carb paleo, you know, it, it varies. It's like the more that one has that gentle aerobic foundation, the better our body metabolizes, processes carbohydrates, and the more carbs you can get away with eating. Uh, you know, I, so I like uh, to hear. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it's like, I constantly run the experiment of how much can I get away with, you know? Yeah. And, um, and every year I get a little smarter, but every year I still poison myself on something because I still have this human capacity to, to eat things that aren't always the best for me, but yeah, there you go. There it is. So, um, so that, that piece, um, low carb diet combined, um, with gentle aerobic exercise, I got that from Dr. Phil Mathetone and he started training people with heart rate monitors back in the seventies. And, um, he's become kind of this guru of like, particularly the ultra marathoners and, you know, long distance runners, um, 
Mark Allen, who won the Hawaiian Ironman six times over, credits him for how he went from being a mediocre triathlete to arguably, you know, like one of the best in history. Um, and it was by stopping all of his strength training and speed training and moving to a low carbohydrate diet and doing low intensity sustained aerobic exercise and less of it uh, for about six months. And a fair number of the people who followed Maffetone's technique will say things like, I did it for six months. The first triathlon came. I wasn't even going to go, but, you know, maybe my wife made me go. And then I won <laughs> and that had never happened before. And so, like I say, like secret magic recipe, you know, like I learned this piece um, about 14 years ago. And it was shortly after that, that we got our place as 10 acres that's in Northern California covered with brush. So, you know, like if you been paying attention to what goes on in Northern California these days, like fire is a big deal. So brush all around your house is bad. You know, we, we don't want that so much. So like I was able to mostly manually clear and burn all the brush on my land. And I prefer that to go into the gym, you know, it's just, that's me. I, I have a hard time making it into the gym, but I'm motivated by cutting and burning brush. So I've yeah. done a lot of that. So my capacity to do that was phenomenal because I had read Maffetone's book. I cut all my carbs down. I had crazy cravings for two or three days. And then my metabolism totally kicked in and I have to, had to take half the blankets off the bed. And, um, and my aerobic capacity and my, my colds and flus disappeared. And, you know, it's like, it's pretty huge life changing. So, but, okay. But I said, the simplest thing you can do is walk 40 minutes a day, five or six days a week. And, you know, like the little old lady down the block who does her hour long walk every day gets away with a pretty crappy diet and lives to a pretty ripe old age because, just that is such a powerful technique if you can keep it going. Just friggin' walk. So that's one of the pieces. Um, low carbohydrate is one of the pieces. That's, um, you know, low carb paleo diet. Uh, blood sugar stability is another really fantastic blind spot in healthcare, um, <laughs> especially in the face of what most people are doing. Like what is the most popular dietary technique in the world right now? Intermittent fasting. Everyone's doing it. There's a bunch of great stories about all the cool things it can do. And, you know, those stories are true and right. There are, there are some good reasons for it. Uh, you know, it helps people lose a lot of weight and that can be cool. And there's these other benefits that they talk about as well. But my primary thesis, like, well, let's see, how do I tell this together best? Um, uh, my primary thesis is that, or the, the thing that I see as the main driving cause of most symptoms that most people are dealing with is zinc deficiency. <laughs> um, we need zinc to make stomach acid. We also need it to make cerebral spinal fluid. We need it for all of our senses. We need it for prostate health, immune system. We need it for cell division and replication. That's how the body repairs itself. And that's also how you prevent cancer. You know, when cell division goes wrong, that's cancer. So like 
How do you avoid knee replacements? Well, you need to rebuild the cartilage. You should be constantly healing. Why aren't people healing? Uh, the sun should be good for us. We were designed to live in the sun. Now, a lot of people say the sun is bad for us because we can't repair the damage done by the sun. Why can't we repair that damage? Like, that's what we need to be able to do. So zinc is not the only factor, but if we need zinc for cell division replication, it might be critically important to what it takes to heal those tissues. So again, one of the things that my technique allowed me to zero in on and like, okay, why does everyone have intestinal infection? Why has that become almost universal? Weak stomach acid allows pathogens to get past the stomach acid and make it to the intestine and create what I call chronic intestinal infection. So in terms of getting a lasting result, when you clear intestinal infection, you've got to keep your stomach acid strong. So supplementing with zinc is important, but the problem is we need zinc to make stomach acid. I think everyone is deficient in zinc. Once you've got weak stomach acid, it becomes very difficult, if not impossible, to absorb zinc and calcium and B12 and magnesium and all these other things that we know are critical nutrients. Now, in terms of the blind spot component, look at the most, um, you know, most abundant uh, mineral in the body, calcium, okay? Um, it's easy to go and get a lab test and get your blood calcium tested. And they'll say, oh yeah, your calcium levels are great. We just don't know why your bones are disappearing. Sorry. Well, why can't we get the calcium into the tissue where it's needed? Well, we don't know. So, you know, like this shell game started like 40 or 50 years ago. They were like, okay, calcium, you gotta take it with vitamin K. Oh, that's not working. So. 10 or 20 years later, okay, you got, oh, it's magnesium. You got to take it with magnesium. Oh, no, that's not working either. Now it's, oh, vitamin D. Oh yeah, yeah, vitamin D in a bottle. We're gonna make this synthetic hormone that's supposed to do what your body does, what your skin does when it's exposed to sun. We're gonna put it in a bottle and call that vitamin D. It's not a vitamin, it's a hormone. It's a synthetic hormone. Um, it's actually, uh, Colcalciferol is the name of that chemical, and it's a very effective rat poison. Um, you can Google it. <laughs> so we're not rats, and we don't eat it in the same concentration. But I still, I just, you know, I have a little skepticism that we can create a health miracle with with rat poison. Sorry. Um, so anyway, um, so I zeroed in on this piece around zinc, and. Um, we need to make stomach acid. I sort of derailed my thought there because I, I was saying something a little too outrageous that that'll happen sometimes. <laughs> but um, um, so if, if we need zinc to make stomach acid and we're deficient in zinc and we've got weak stomach acid and then we can't absorb, aha, back on track, um, calcium. So you can get that test that shows you that it's not getting in the tissues where it's needed and so what makes the difference? So far, they don't know. Like no one has been able to develop a study that proves that calcium supplements accomplish the things that we take them for, you know, like to prevent bone fractures primarily. 
Um, but it's also critical in um, chronic fatigue because every muscle contraction requires calcium. Um, it's essential, it's plantar fasciitis is absolutely driven by, by calcium deficiency, but that's another story. Um, so they haven't been able to prove that calcium supplements do what we want them to do. And, and yet still people are told to take a thousand or 1200 milligrams, sometimes more. And Harvard School of Public Health has come out and said, look, there's no way a person can absorb and utilize a thousand milligrams of calcium on a daily basis, but we don't seem to be able to get it in the tissues. So if we give people too much, hopefully some of it will end up where it's needed and it won't end up in the wrong parts of the body. Um, but unfortunately there are studies now showing that it does often plate out on the insides of the arteries and contribute to atherosclerosis. So there's now a risk of taking calcium supplements. So what makes the difference? Strong stomach acid is absolutely what makes the difference. And I don't get to see, you know, the long-term issues like osteoporosis, eh, harder to see, harder to track. We have seen some things that were pretty promising, but in terms of like chronic fatigue and somebody comes to me who's had plantar fasciitis for two or three years or whatever, and we clear it up in a week or 10 days when we strengthen stomach acid and uh, get them to actually start absorbing a, like a quarter of the normal recommended daily dose of calcium. When you see things change that quickly uh, over and over and over in a really predictable pattern, it doesn't leave me wondering anymore. Um, and I've seen the same things around you know, people who've had anemia for 40 or 50 years and been to all these specialists and then we clear it up in less than two months and they go back to their MDs and their blood work sprayed and they're like, what, how is this possible? What are you doing? And they're like, I know it's great. My energy's great and thanks anyway. So um, same, you know, other things around magnesium or potassium or B12 and how critical it is to the, the nervous system. And I mean, people know B12 is so important and yet we we're often told to take it sublingually, you know, like as if you're, you know, like as if this is where you're supposed to absorb B12 under your tongue, you know, like uh -huh. the gut might be actually where we're supposed to absorb. But since they know that's not working, then you either absorb it under your tongue or you get injections at a you know significant price tag and some risk or you can strengthen stomach acid and clear intestinal infection and eat a pretty good diet and take a good quality supplement and change lifelong issues remarkably fast. So um, strong stomach acid is the key and zinc deficiency is what that hinges on, but just taking zinc won't do it because once you've already got weak stomach acid, which I'm quite confident that everyone has weak stomach acid. Um, once you've got weak stomach acid, you take a zinc supplement, you'll kind of barely absorb it. You might get a blood test that says, oh, it's in your blood, but is it getting into the tissues where it's needed? And zinc is tricky because we can't store it in the body and the tissues where it's needed. I mean, you'd have to take biopsies of, you know, places that make cerebral spinal fluid and parts of the stomach lining and things like that. And where's the healthy normal average to compare it to? It doesn't exist anymore. Um, some studies came out some years ago in the Lancet 
that showed that when you increase atmospheric CO2, you decrease the ability of plants to uptake zinc and a variety of other minerals. And so people, people primarily get their zinc from meat. Um, plants are known to have phytates, a, a chemical that uh, interferes with our absorption of zinc. So plant-based diets make zinc absorption harder. And back, you know, going as far back as when we invented agriculture and we started relying more upon agriculture, which means relying more on plants, uh, eating less meat, you know, it started back then, but it keeps progressing. And weak stomach acid, by the way, does make it much harder to digest proteins. And so, um, you know, I'll have people come in and say like, oh, I like red meat, but I can't eat it. It wrecks me. I feel terrible when I eat it. And I say, once we can boost your stomach acid, which will take less than a week, you'll be able to sit down and eat a steak and say, whoa, that feels good. And I have more energy and give me more of that. Yeah. So um, consistently, you know, we can do that. So, um, so stomach acid is critical. It, it does a bunch of things It you know, like most people under eat protein to a pretty significant degree and it gets worse and worse and worse as people get older, which is why often old people lose all their muscle mass and losing muscle mass. Um, well, keeping muscle mass is the key to staying young, to staying healthy. And to maintain muscle mass, you've got to eat muscle, but you have to be able to digest and absorb it well. And a lot of people don't because weak stomach acid and intestinal infection both interfere with that process. So, um, so you know, ideas like circling back to intermittent fasting, um, it makes sense in terms of what most people have. Most people have weak stomach acid. If you've got weak stomach acid and you try to eat protein frequently, like in my protocol, ideally we don't go more than three hours in the busy part of our day without protein. Three main meals and a mid-morning and mid-afternoon snack. Keeps blood sugar super stable. Uh, cortisol levels have to come down when you do that. Everything gets better when cortisol is lower. Um, so... Uh, so if you've got weak stomach acid and you try to eat protein frequently like that, it often doesn't sit very well. Like you're not ready to eat. You can't eat or, or people wake up and like, Oh, I'm never hungry. When I wake up in the morning, I just have a cup of coffee or I have toast and a cup of coffee. I have sugar and gluten and, and caffeine, you know, like <laughs> that's kind of what's normal. Right. And you can get away with that for a certain amount of time. Maybe. I mean, I, I keep getting younger and younger people with worse and worse digestive issues, but um, anyway, we can clear them up. Um, but so intermittent fasting, if you can't digest food very well, well then save your stomach acid up and only eat a couple times a day. You know, like that, that kind of makes sense. Um, intestinal infection, if you've got something going on in the gut microbiome that's not right, that is what increases uh, gut lining permeability, um, which, um, you know, that's leaky gut is this term that a lot of people use that 
that means that food proteins and other food particles are getting absorbed into the blood before they've been broken into smaller amino acids. And that's often what the immune system is reacting to. And that's a lot of what drives food allergies and sensitivities and inflammation and even autoimmunity. And then those food proteins have to be filtered out of the blood and that's the job of the liver. But the liver is this big spongy organ and, and if it's constantly filtering large proteins out of the blood, then you plug up the filter with food. And it tries to get rid of it through the gallbladder, but it often backs up the gallbladder and then people get their gallbladders removed. Um, but if the liver's all plugged up with food, then your ability to clear environmental toxins, pesticides, heavy metals, our own metabolic waste, cholesterol, regulate blood pressure, excess hormones, you know, like women with bad periods is kind of one of my favorite symptoms to address because it's so obvious, you know, it's like if it's crippling every month and like, you know, there's those people who like, I can't leave the house for two days and I take a bunch of pain meds. Um, when you clear that, which we usually do in about two months, sometimes by a month, sometimes that's three before that's really dialed in. Like it's obvious, it's dramatic. Like, I mean, I was sitting down with a woman yesterday who like, she had this long list of symptoms and now we're less than two months into care and I hadn't even seen her for almost a month. And the, the things, I mean, like the sleep was better and the back pain was better and the crippling periods were gone and like, we're almost fine. And like, just like checkbox after checkbox. And it's not because like we added a bunch of other hormones or did it, we just, we just got stuff out of the way, you know? So like liver congestion caused by intestinal infection can be cleared quite simply. This is largely why I wrote the book. Okay. So like it became so obvious to me that the gut microbiome, that intestinal infection and liver, liver congestion is it absolutely hinges. It, you can absolutely clear it with this three week course of digestive enzymes. Okay. That will seem crazy to tons of people. And then, you know, I have every new patient in the office. I say, look, if you'll try this for eight weeks, I'll guarantee you that by eight weeks in, you'll know that this makes a phenomenal difference in your health. Like we literally never miss if people can just stick with it. And, you know, the number of times that we get derailed by one thing or another, people like, oh, the diet's too hard or, oh, you know, like. So again, you got to be motivated, but for those who are motivated, the results are like impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. Impossible. Yeah. So getting things out of the way, what those enzymes accomplish in terms of liver and gallbladder is, is phenomenal. And, in, and what it means for being able to regulate our own systems better that the enzymes, you know, they work in the gut, but then they also get absorbed into the blood. They also go to the liver and the gallbladder and those enzymes break down the things that are gunking up the filter and you gently easily move it out. If it goes too fast, it'll make people uncomfortable. If you're eating a crappy diet while you're doing it, you might be uncomfortable, but you eat a good how diet. How uncomfortable is uncomfortable? Cause is it, you know, there's <laughs> well, like, there's like pregnancy, you're giving birth uncomfortable. And then there's like, you fractured your toe and then there's like, you got a crick in your neck. And so wh where yeah. is it on that? <laughs> the good news is 
you can find that out for yourself, but you, you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, what I mean by that is um, health should feel good. You know, like I don't believe in healing crises. I don't believe like you got to get worse to get better. Like, I just think that's a process that's not being managed properly. Um, if, if the enzymes start to stir stuff, stir stuff up such that you start to feel crappy, stop the enzymes, you know, pause them for two to four days, try a lower dose, you know, like it's gotta be comfortable. It's gotta be reasonable. And that's the cool thing about the work that I get to do. Like, I don't use anything weird or heavy handed. Like there's no powerful herbs. There's nothing that's known to have any weird interaction with anything else. Like they're remarkably simple pieces. And so a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh no, my com my condition is way more complicated than that. And I've been told I have this MTHFR gene or this, you know, like whatever, you know, people get all this genetic testing and they get all tripped out. But over and over and over, all those specialized conditions that have this, you know, extra weird diagnosis or no diagnosis, uh, we just apply these simple foundational pieces. We strengthen stomach acid, we clear intestinal infection, we get them on a good diet, we have them walk, we get blood sugar really stable. You know, I'm not trying to cure ADD or bipolar or thyroid issues or digestive issues or autoimmune conditions. We're just trying to get people healthy and getting the obstacles out of the way so that they can heal themselves. And these pieces came together because each one of the seven pieces of the protocol relates to specific muscle weakness that I can demonstrate in a way that most people on the table will agree. It's stupid, obvious. Okay. <laughs> like I I've had power lifters on my table where I'll put all my weight on a leg that's, uh, you know, straight leg turned out at an angle, but I can, I can still, they'll hold me up with all their weight. And then I'll say, okay, touch this point between your eyebrows. Once we've established a clear foundation, which means we've addressed these eight different factors that interfere with this reflex. And then I'll literally put one finger on that leg and I'll say, okay, you push first. Are you ready? Are you pushing? And then I'll use one finger and push that same leg to the table. And it looks like this, you know, circus act or something. But what it is, is clear information through a person's nervous system with an incredibly clear baseline yeah. that isn't thrown off by a cell phone in my pocket or me thinking negative thoughts or anything like that. It's like, it's consistent. It's reproducible. It works every time. Um, and when you've got answers that clear, then, then, you know, you are getting instantaneous feedback through a, through a person's nervous system. And, um, and yeah, it was some trial and error for some years, but, and it, you know, it took me like six years to write the book. Okay. And I published it. It really, it came out of like the beginning of a couple of years ago, beginning of 21. And, um, um, no, I'm derailing myself again. Sorry. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> that I think, I think that's great. The book came out at the, you said beginning of 21. Yeah. Which, and now it's out and people can read it and get those yeah. unexpected solutions. Is that, and then, Absolutely. so if people want to work with you, is it like they have to be in person or can you do virtual work as well? And then I want you to jump into like a quick three minutes, what your vision for the book is and how you want to impact people with it, how many people 
And then yeah. we got in the podcast because we're at time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, cool. So, um, okay. So yeah, I, uh, the best way to work with people is in the office, you know, that, that instantaneous feedback. Um, it's hard, it's hard to beat that, but I've gone through it with so many people that I do work with people remotely and, um, you know, obviously there's no muscle testing involved there. I don't have a way of getting remote answers, but, um, but we can troubleshoot, you know, if something's not working, if we're not getting the results right, then um, uh, it's pretty easy to troubleshoot it and work it out over the phone. Um, a lot of times I work with people like, you know, from either like San Francisco Bay Area, Sacramento, Reno, um, or people from out of town, uh, you know, further out of town or out of the country, and we'll have the first appointment over the phone and then um, follow up with them in person a, way, a little ways into it. Um, and that's a great way to, uh, to proceed. So, um, yeah, so we're able, we're able to do both. Uh, let's see. Very good. Thanks. Um, and, um, okay. So then vision for the book, how you're going to impact people, how many people you want to impact. Yes. So this, um, you know, it's <laughs> when you really start looking at healthcare and how, inconsistent the results are across the board and how big the blind spots are across the board and how poor our treatment and management of chronic conditions is, um, we know there's gotta be a better solution. And, um, and yet people are pretty resigned to the fact that there really isn't, you know, um, people accept the conditions that they've got. They're told like, oh, that's normal. And you're just getting old. And yeah, you've worn out your knees because you've been walking too much. I'm like, no, we're designed to repair our bodies. Like it doesn't work that way. What's getting in, what's getting in the way of healing the body? So when you can address those things, you're truly addressing causative issues from uh, in health. When you see a list of 10, 15, 20 symptoms dramatically improve uh, over the course of eight weeks or less, you can only do that if you truly are addressing causative issues. Like it's just not gonna happen unless you're taking steroids and that'll only work for so long. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that this technique truly represents a really big breakthrough in healthcare. And I think the potential for really changing the face of healthcare is absolutely there. And so um, how far can the book go? You know, like, man, I'd sure love to find out um, because, you know, like if I could, if I could teach, you know, a few million people how to, how to, uh, use this technique, how to administer this kind of muscle testing, and they could all work on several million people and we could truly alter the face of healthcare, that'd be something. And are, are average people motivated enough to follow the pieces of this protocol? Maybe not, but there are some simple pieces that don't take a ton of work. 
So, um, you know, clearing intestinal infection is something I can help guide people through. That's not that hard. Um, yeah, getting your diet perfect, that's hard. Walking every day, that's hard. But there are some pretty simple walking, pieces. Walking every day is not hard. <laughs> well, you walk every day. I mean, you know, people just, everybody's so jammed up for time, you know. Oh, no, they're not. They're on their phones. Okay, good. Yeah, 10 okay, hours a day. Everybody <laughs> should walk every they're day. They're BS no themselves. Food. But I agree right. people will come up with that excuse for sure. Hands You're down. right. So, yeah, the... The answer is, I think that there truly is unlimited potential for what the book could do. And um, I hope uh, this podcast gets to be part of how it gets there. Oh, Matt, I love that you are thinking big and you're like, you want to teach a few million people. And you want those few million to go impact another couple million each, because I think... If you're really getting the results you're getting and you're not lying on my podcast for this past hour. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, there you go. You do have something that could change the face of healthcare. And I think um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. I think when people stumble across ideas or have a passion for something that can be really impactful, they almost have a moral obligation to go get it out to as many people as possible. And so I yeah. love that you're already thinking big about it. Because if you weren't, I definitely would have pushed you to think big. And so I guess my question is, you currently run a chiropractor office, right? Yeah. Have you ever thought about going like to acquire other chiropractic offices in other major cities and then training those chiropractors on this? I mean, 100%. The reality is, you know, like I've got to start by filling my own practice yep. and like, I'm not full, you know, like mm. I live in a small town and we're super saturated with a bunch of healthcare providers. I mean, if you know anything about Nevada City, it's like, you know, you can, everybody's waving crystals and magic wands and, and, you know, some of that stuff is, is beautiful and has its, you know, its own merits, but we're so super saturated with the whole spectrum of healthcare providers. Um, that it, it's sort of a it's sort of an easy place to get lost and um you know sometimes referrals are great you know I'll, I'll take care of one person i've got you know i've got a person who's literally referred me 130 people over the years yeah um but um uh you know it's it's you know the reality is it's it's not easy so again if I mean, people kind of, people come up with plenty of obstacles. I don't know what the obstacles are. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. Like um, the reality is I don't fill my practice with people who I'm seeing over and over and over. Like I've got to get new people in all the, all the time, because like that young woman who I described, we've done four visits or something. And you and, fix her. So she doesn't need to come back. Like we're done. She's got yeah. the keys to the castle. She doesn't need me anymore hopefully she's able, you know, to inspire some other people to come see me. Maybe, maybe not, you know, like, because, well, because there's so many different obstacles to people going, wait, he's a chiropractor and he's going to help me with, you know, like get my hormones, right? Like, I don't think so. I'm going to, you know, whoever you'd normally would go to. So um, it's a weird niche that I'm in. And, um, and honestly, like, I haven't been advertising. I haven't been reaching out. I haven't promoted the book in the slightest. Um, everything is just by word of mouth. And I'm finally like, 
okay, I made this big effort to write the book. Oh, that was exhausting. There was COVID. I had to take a break for a little while and not work on reaching out. And then finally now it's spring and I'm feeling good. And I'm like, okay, time to reach out. So um, how about a podcast? So here's the first one. There we go. Well, I'm glad you came on this podcast first. And Matt, I'm gonna leave you with this. And then I am gonna have to sign off the show. And so I'm going to yeah. leave you with this and then I'm just going to go straight into the sign off. But um, I really want you to read this book and it's oh. like, I really want you to read it. It's called buy then build. And it's all about buying businesses and using like a platform acquisition. And so I know you're looking to fill your practice, but Matt, I'm telling you, man, um, like filling your chiropractic office is important But if you go like a step above that, like people, there are people out there who know how to fill a chiropractic practice. And so like, you don't need to spend your time doing that. Like your time isn't best spent there. And so if you were to go buy a chiropractic office that was already making like a million EBITDA and you hired somebody to grow it and scale it and hired somebody to market it and then fill that one and yours, not only does your profit go up, but now you have more to spin off to buy another. And then you can start training people and Steve Jobs said this, I'm pretty sure he was talking about and it was so cocky of him, but he was like, I'm not going to ask the people what they want. I'm going to tell them what they want. And Henry Ford did a similar thing where he was like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. But he <laughs> he saw into the problem and he got cars and he made it systematic for people to access cars in a very similar way. I think if you buy up enough chiropractic offices and you grow the business large enough, the only option people will have when they wanted to go to a chiropractor is you and basically one other person, <laughs> right? If, if you get big enough, if you buy out enough and what happens when that happens is that you change the culture. And I think this is key to breaking and shattering beliefs that people have When you start to change the peer pressure and the peer pressure is no longer a Dairy Queen Sunday, but it's walking 40 minutes a day and Mm -hmm. you're you're the odd one out if you're not walking 40 minutes a day, when you can get Mm -hmm. the influence level that you can change the culture to that extent, that's when your protocol is really going to change millions, if not billions of lives. And so that's why I think you should really read Buy Then Build and learn how to acquire these businesses because especially if you meet a chiropractor that is willing to have an open heart and they care about actually impacting people, which I'm sure there are chiropractors out there that feel that way. They will merge with your business and you just split the equity, whatever way, like there are deals to be cut because there's a mission to be achieved. And when you can sell people on the mission, you can cut the deal. Like figuring out the how is easy when you know the the why. And so yeah. I'm going to leave you with that. I have to sign us. I see sign that. I would love to I see that. Out. Thanks, Timothy. Yeah. That's cool. Of course, man. So I'm going to sign us out now. Thank you All so right. much for coming on the show, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you, Timothy. Super appreciate it. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Matt had to say, make sure to check him out. Make sure to go to California and get in this guy's uh, practice and fix yourself in four weeks. <laughs> I might have to so uh, the protocol for health. Uh, the protocol for health.com. That's, that's my website. So there we go. The protocol for health.com that will be down in the show notes and uh, yeah, buy the book, buy 10 books and then send it to 10 friends <laughs> because it, it can be that impactful. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out.